You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Honored to be here. My name is Josh Gray. I get the privilege of being the lead servant here, lead pastor, lead janitor, lead lots of things. And so uh, thanks for being here. I believe God's got something pretty awesome in store for us. We've already had something pretty awesome happen to us in our time of worship. Um, We stand on something pretty amazing, God's word right? And so as his word speaks to us today, um, you know, we hope that we just, you value it. You let it, let it marinate in your heart. Uh, if something catches you off guard, dive in and see what it said. Uh, but we stand on his word. Amen? Amen. So we're uh, barreling through our, our, our sermon series here. Speaking of the things we have going on, you understand all those studies that we have going on, our purpose at our church, most, a lot of those are led by volunteers, led by you, um, is to equip. We are to equip, equip folks for the, the ministry that God would have for them. And so um, we want to make sure that you're equipped. You know, we all come in here with hurts, habits, and hangups. You know, the church is not the place where perfect people go. It's where the broken, of a, the broken pieces of us come. And we hope to, to find out how we can get healing uh, here as well through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and, and through how he ministers through each other. And so get plugged into those things. Check those out. If any of those things were ticking a box for you and you're like, yeah, maybe I should check that out. That wasn't a maybe. That was a yes. Like you should check it out, right? That was the Holy Spirit being soft and kind with you. But like, yes, check it out. And so um, we're going back to the basics uh, as we've been through our, our share, connect, minister, and disciple. This is our series that we're in. And so why do we go back to the basics every year? Why do we have to learn how to shoot free throws and dribble and pass and do all those things? Uh, because basics are important. Like, well, I already know how to do that. Yeah, I already know how to read the Bible. Why do I need to do that again? Right? I already know how to worship. Why do I need to worship again? Because basics are important. And so uh, when we think about this, just a quick recap of the sermon series, we start out with share. And we're here to share Christ with the dying world. And we looked at somebody's story and we looked at the word where it says we are to be able to give an account for the hope that we have. And why would you have hope? Well, this is what I was like before I met the Lord, and this is what my family life was like, and this is what it looked like and where I could have gone. This is what happened when I accepted the Lord into my life and how my life started changing. And this is what my life is like now, and and I'm on the journey. I got the chance to share my story, uh, crammed it into five minutes, left out a bunch of stuff with my home group this last week. And I hope you're getting the opportunity to share your story as well and that you've taken the time to, to know what your story is and to figure out how to put it together. And so that was our share message. And then last week, Marty got the chance to share with us on Connect. And it was interesting how we look at being connected and it's not just being connected where you're comfortable with all the time. He talked about the disciples and how they came from all these different groups of people and how they may had to have wrestling, wrestled with each other and, and all the way to the very end when they're sitting there and Jesus is trying to do the last supper with them and they're arguing about who's the greatest. And it's like, time out. Guys, listen, work together, have unity. And so we talked about the connection. He talked about how four of his best five relationships came through home groups and people that he connected with in a home group uh, in this church. And so uh, this week we're talking about the, the MSCMD. M is for ministry. And we exist to minister to the people in the church and in the world. And here's the cool part about this is you are the message 
You are who God is using to minister. When you accepted Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and your Savior, we say he didn't give you a t-shirt. He gave you his name. And when we talk about taking the Lord's name in vain, is like when he gives you his name and you go and act like something that's not of him. And so when we have his name, you are the message. And what did, did do we see Jesus do anything? Was Jesus a minister? Yeah. Did Jesus minister as a verb to other people? Yep. And if we're to be Christians, which means like little Christ, Christ-like, what should we do? We should be a minister and we should minister to other people. And so let's take a look at a couple of things here. So is minister a noun or a verb? According to Webster's, it's both. Minister is somebody who, who is performing sacraments and performing religious ceremonies and all these other things, right? And then right below it, it talks about uh, the minister as a verb. So is minister a noun or a verb? Yes. Yes, it is a noun and a verb, right? And how does that play out in our world? What does that look like? And I want to take you to a statement that's uh, on our website. And we're kind of hitting this again, but it's really important for you to know. It's about the priesthood of every believer, so this is on our website under our statement of beliefs, I believe. I believe, I believe, believe beliefs. Uh, the Bible teaches that every Christian is called a full-time Christian service regardless of his or her vocation. Do you know that I was a full-time minister before I was a full-time minister? When I was in the insurance business, I did some great ministry. I had accepted the Lord. I was running two different offices in Montana and I had anywhere between 10 and 15 people that I was overseeing and helping and, and we talked a lot about insurance and sales and all those other things, but we talked a lot about life. I cried with people in a car as they were telling me about what's going on in their life at home. I was in full-time ministry before I was ever on a stage, before I ever got paid by a church. And God, you're in full-time ministry. You are a minister and you do minister right where you're at today. Regardless of your vocation, we practice uh, the truth that every believer is a minister by encouraging every member to find a place of service and ministry. Within your church, within your family, we'll talk more about those things, but you're, you're called to be that. Every believer has direct access to God through prayer and Bible reading and worship and fasting. I am not your access to God. I'm an equipper to show you where your access to God is. And when you're on your face praying at night, you're accessing God. And when you're in here worshiping to God, you're accessing God. And when you're in a home group doing life with other people, you're accessing God just like I am. We believe people are called to witness and to minister. Now, witness is not the title of an MC Hammer song, if anybody can remember that song. Can I get a witness? No. Um, yeah, way more, way more early 90s people in here, late 80s people than the first service. Got lots of chuckles on that one, right? But witness is what we talked about before, about being prepared to give an answer, right? For the hope that you have. Why are you like this, Josh? Well, let me tell you. Five minutes. And why does, why does my story matter? It only matters if it's pointing somebody to, to the Lord. And so we're called a witness. And sometimes when you're sharing your story with somebody, you're ministering to them. 
You are in the weeds and, and down and, and down your knees and you're helping people and you're getting people involved and you're helping them move. You're helping them do something else. You're, you're being involved in your life and by walking alongside somebody, they start asking you questions. And so we're called to do that. And this is what our church believes from our website. At Real Life, we believe uh, we can never be all that God intended for us to be spiritually unless we are serving in a ministry of some kind. And this is not works righteousness. There's nothing that you can do to work your way to heaven. If my son died a death for you, there's nothing you could ever do to repay me. There's no act you could ever do. So it's not works righteousness, but it's what happens when this Holy Spirit isn't dwelling in your heart because you've accepted him because you have to. You have to do this because you're compelled to do this because it's, it's inside of you. And, and, and it's interesting enough, we'll see in a scripture here in a second, that you were designed to do that. So this is not works righteousness. It's simply a reality of a healthy spiritual development. It's fruit on the tree. It's fruit on the tree. What do people do that have Jesus Christ inside of them? They look like him. And what did he look like? He looked like a minister. And he ministered to people, the verb, right? So that's what we would look like if we're trying to be little Christ, right? Let's talk about this works-based righteousness and those things. So here's Ephesians uh, 2, 8 through 10. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and not, this is, is, is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. And I know for me, sometimes I, I take, I've accepted that gift and then sometimes I put it back on the shelf and then I accept it again. I got to come back to it every time. It's like this, it's like this exchangeable gift that I don't want to have it be exchangeable. Do you accept it or not? Do you believe what he says about you or not? And it's not by your works so that no man can boast. No one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Look around where we live. We live in a pretty beautiful area. We are his handiwork. You sitting in your seat right now, he created you. And he created, uh, you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Because when he gets in your heart, you can't help but do good works. Because that's what he's like and that's what you're trying to be like. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Can you imagine that next week God has good works planned for you to do already that he already knew about when he was creating you because you're his handiwork. Now, I don't know that if I, if I do all of the good works that he had planned for me, I don't know how many of those I catch. And I think a lot of that has to do with my spiritual temperature. A lot, a lot of that has to do with how I'm communicating with him and where I'm at. And, and, and isn't it interesting that a lot of the good works that we do uh, pour blessings upon ourselves because we're in the right mind frame of service and acting in service. And so think about it this week. He's got, you're his handiwork, remember that. And he's got things created for you to do. For his kingdom probably, not so much for your own. So let's go back to this idea of, are, are we qualified? Are, am I a minister? You will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Exodus 19.10. Exodus is in the very beginning of the book. But thank goodness we're not Israelites. Because he must have just been talking to the Israelites who are the kingdom of priests, right? And then we go to the end of the book. And who is John talking to? He's in Revelation 1.6. Oh, that's right. 
Well, well, this is at the very end. Jesus has already died on the cross and and there's these, these folks called believers and Christians and followers of the way. And here's John, and he says, uh, and uh, has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. We just got looped in to the priesthood. You are a kingdom of priests. You are qualified. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. How about when Peter talked about it? Now, Peter was talking to Jews and Gentiles who were believers when he's, when he's talking about them. And here's what he has to say about them. And um, come on. Uh, but you are a chosen people. Real life. Believers. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. You're God's special possession. How are we treating each other? Just like God's special possession, Right? That you may declare, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. That hit me this week. I'm like, how how well am I doing on declaring? Because I was in darkness. I don't want to be in his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, you didn't even have a place. But now you are the people of God. You are the people of God. He's relying on you and your message and what that looks like as we go out there. Once you have, uh, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So what happens when someone receives mercy and understands that and understands forgiveness and understands all those things? What happens in their life? Because mercy doesn't just stay within your heart and stay within you. Mercy continues on and now you can pass on mercy to others. So I got to tell you guys, you are fully qualified to be the noun and or to be the verb and to be the noun. You are qualified to minister to other people. God says that you are. And you're qualified to be a minister. You're all in. And so as we continue on and think about this in James, we're going to spend some time in James uh, 2. Uh, and and what, is this, what does this look like? And kind of when uh, I was reading this this week and, and thinking about James 2, I was going through that, I was like, what is he, what would he be looking like? And I feel like this like letter, like as he was talking to me, he's just like, I got to look into your eyes, Josh. Like he's saying this with so much heart and so much passion, the plea that he would have for us to understand what this looks like in our life. So picture that. Picture James, picture him talking to you this way. What good is it? My brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, Can such a faith save them? Suppose a a, a brother or a sister is without clothes or daily food. And if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, good luck, but does nothing about their physical needs, what, what good is that kind of faith? 
What is that? Doesn't feel like Jesus. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it's dead. It's dead. I got to tell you, my Savior, He's not dead. He lives. And his faith is not dead. So what does a a faith that's not dead look like? But someone will say, you have faith, but I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds because it's pouring out of me. I can't help but want to serve and see needs and love people and, and be involved in their lives and, 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 and share with them and walk with them and do all those things. I can't help but do that because it's inside of me. You believe that there is one God, good. I'm glad that you believe in God. Right? And James just, good. Even the demons believe that there's a God. The devil acknowledges God and shudder. So just believing about him or knowing about him or learning more about God, that's a good, that's good. You should do that, but but so do the demons. So what separates that type of faith? And he says, I kind of picture he's looking at me sometimes, Josh, but you foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. I asked the question, are my faith and my actions working together? Is it convenient to be a Christian? Is this part of a club that I'm a part of, that we have comfortable seats and good music and there's a guy that talks and then, get out of here. I'm gone. Part of my club. Are your faith and your actions working together? Can you not separate yourself from your commitment to Jesus Christ? And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was, he was right living, right? He was, his faith was walking with his actions. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not just by faith alone. Do they have faith? Let me see. More is caught than taught. You do not have faith because you have a bunch of Bible, Bible verses memorized. You do not have faith because you've been a Christian for a long time. You have faith when those are working together and there's fruit on the tree of your life. In the same way, it was not even Rahab, the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off uh, in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so is faith without deeds is dead. So 
when we talk about share and sharing God and we talk about connecting to God and we talked about ministering, ministering is, is it's, it's, it's action. It's where your faith comes to, 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 to meet action. What does that look like? How does this work? So we cannot have dead faith when God's spirit is in us. It is impossible to have dead faith when God is within you because it is coming out of you. It's coming out of you in how you speak about people. It's coming out of you in how you serve people. It's coming out of you in how you love your family. It's coming out of you in all these ways. It's just overflowing. And I've had times where it's super awesome overflowing and I've had times where I'm like, what's in here? And that's related to how I connect in community. That's related to to how I'm walking with the Lord. It's related to what I'm letting into my brain. There's faith stealers and faith builders coming into your brain. Who do you let in more? Faith builders or faith stealers? So where do I start? We talk about service. We talk about minister. Where do I start? What does this look like? So I want to make this crystal clear to you. I do not want you to even remotely consider serving in this church if you're not serving well at home. That was pretty strong. Let me rewind that back. Um, whew. A little fiery here. Uh, we're not on a budget cut, but you know, <laughs> you know. I want you to like. What does it look like in your home? How are you serving and how are you ministering in your own home? You, you've seen the church guys. They're just awesome, awesome at church, and they're doing everything. I was that guy. I was Captain Awesome Church guy and leading groups and shaking hands and <laughs> look at me, look at me, and just gutless inside. A gutless leader at home. A gutless leader in front of my kids. But I wanted you guys to think I was doing good. No. The fruit, start in your home, start with your spouse. How are you ministering to your spouse? If you're not married, you're going to be. So get good at ministering to your roommates. How are you seeing people? I got to tell you, my wife um, is getting so good at ministering to me. And we're taking time to figure out each other. We celebrated our 24-year wedding anniversary last two weeks ago, something like that. Yeah. Best two years of her life. Uh, Um. But uh, one of the things she did, we were having our, our, our half-price appetizers at Sangria on Monday from 5 to, five to 7. <laughs> Just six of them. They were good. Um, and so anyway, uh, she gives me this little bag for, it says, you know, Josh on it. And I open this up and it's got these weird, like tiny little glasses that are like, that don't have any bands on them. And they just kind of fit right over your eye like this. I was like, huh. She's like, I got you 10 tanning opportunities at the tanning place. I've, I've never tanned, well, not like laid in a bed to tan ever before in my life. But you know why she did that? Because she sees me and she knows like this time of the year, like the worst day is when I have to winterize the boat. Like when you have to winterize the boat, you're just like, it's over. Like it's <laughs> like summer's over. Like, and this year did summer just be like, gone. No, like, slide into fall, like, boom, fall, done. And so, uh, but she sees me and she knows me and she's like, I want you to feel like the sun. I want you to be, you know, and then, yes, I take my extra vitamin D and all that other stuff. But, like, she wants me to, like, be okay. 
And so when you're ministering, how are you doing in your own home? Do you notice those things about your children? Do you notice those things about your spouse or your roommates? Start at home. That's a good place to start. And then after that, you might even branch out into your church. Because we got lots of, you know, we create lots of opportunities for people to minister here. Not because like we're just looking for things for you to do, but like we feel like this is where God's calling us. So like being in a home group as a way to minister, uh, facilitating a home group or, and we'll equip you to do that to facilitate it. Or what if you're like, no, I can host it at my house. You could host a home group, right? You could be an apprentice in a home group, learning from those folks. You could bring snacks in a home group. Like, yeah, sure. Well, how about Sunday services? Life for Kids will accept you if you, have a, if you can pass a background check, right? Safe kids, good thing, right? Uh, first impressions, were any of you greeted well this morning when you came in? Anybody say hi to you and say, hey, welcome, glad you're here. Right? You know when the coffee started being made? It was probably about 6 o'clock this morning. We go through lots and lots of coffee here. Right? But yeah, and nobody's afraid that you're going to take their spot. It's okay. It's okay to come and serve and be involved and minister within your own church. What about uh, communion, which we'll get going in a little bit? Uh, worship. Like I know there's musicians in here. I know there's more musicians in here. And they're just like, I'm not sure. And it's a big commitment to serve on the worship team. But there's other places to serve also with lights and tech and, and slides and different things. There's all kinds of places to be involved. Life or youth, there's going to be 60 to 70 kids. Woo! Who is that? There you go, Emmy. There's going to be like 60 to 70 kids that are coming tonight to learn about, uh, more about Jesus and about what's going on in their life. And then they're going to go into the school system this week, which is all full of Jesus all around the school system, as you guys are aware. Right? But like they need to be filled up. And are we equipping them? Are they excited? Do they have tools, right? Uh, lively lifers are 55 and older. There's lots of places to get involved at, at the church and serve and minister to, and we should. We expect that. We expect that to happen. Uh, we've got some things coming up where we're partnering with the mall on a big Halloween thing on Thursday night when Halloween comes, my least favorite holiday of the year, but I'll be in some sort of a Batman costume, right? And this place will be tore up, and then we'll have, like, we need, like, what we planned we cannot do as a staff. We might have uh, written a check that our bodies can't cash. But we want to partner with the community and let them know what it looks like in here and what it feels like and that God's generous. I have this idea that when kids come, like they're going to do the little mall thing and go through all the different places in the mall and they'll have like their six candies in there. And then like we want to show who God is and generous and how generous our God is. So we have these candy bins out there. But can you imagine like a kid coming to the station here and you're like, oh, hey, good job. You threw the ball through the goal or whatever it is, and you're just grabbing like Josh Gray handful of candy and just like burying them in their bag and their parents are like, ah! and you're just like, yeah, full size, not fun size. We're a full size church here. Like our God is generous. So we need like thousands of dollars worth of candy. Like everybody in here needs to go spend like $15 and bring your bag of big candy. Don't get this little stuff. Like we want to be generous, but what would we be saying about our God? That he likes candy. No, um, that, that, that our God's generous. It's, this is not a, a, a one dumb, dumb sucker church. This is king size. Boom. You'll get it later. It's pretty funny. Um, so what does that look like uh, in your community to, to serve and to minister? You know, you do that through your job, your work. Right? There's people in here that are ministering right now. And so here's the deal. Many of you, this is your like, it's kind of boring because like I am. That's cool. Grab somebody with you. 
So like when you leave the role that you're ministering in because God has called you somewhere else, you don't come to, to whoever was, a, hey, you need to find somebody new because I'm not going to do coffee anymore. No, guess what you do? Hey, I found my replacement. Yep, they're awesome. I've been training them for three months. They're ready to go. I feel called to go serve over here. Cool. So if you're ministering and God's moving you around, that's cool. Praise God. Thank you so much. But your hobbies you can minister, the sports you like to play, be that wherever you are that you're ministering. So why does your personal ministry matter? Because you are how God chose to deliver his message. He gave you his name when you accepted him as Lord and Savior. And so how you are actively involved and how that plays out in your life where it's not always about us and our things and our comfort and our stuff that says who your God is. Is your God a God, a God who ministers? Yeah. We're filling up some good real needs. We've ha been having that happen. We just had one come up this morning. I looked at real needs. The mom needs a twin bed. How many of you are signed up and get the real needs email right now? Uh-oh. Okay. So we need you to get signed up and get the real needs email so you know when needs are coming. Like what James said in there, like, oh yeah, hey, well, I'm, I bet you do need a twin bed. Good luck. No, we feel that need. That's a real need. Right now, tangible, physical need. And that's what Jesus would do. We're involved, right? We're serving. So your personal ministry matters. So uh, I want you to, uh, if you're gonna serve communion, thank you for doing that. Why don't you go ahead and uh, go get that going and we'll get that passed out. We have an open table. We serve communion every week. We value it big time. We want to remember our Lord every week and what he had done for us and his methods, his message and all those things. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, we just ask that you would just hold it to the very end. If not, just let it fly by you. I'd love to chat with you about that. I'm going to hit a couple questions here and then we'll have a short video and, and get you out of here. So number one is, how are you ministering to your family? It is time for an audit, right? It's good to audit. It's good to audit and look at how things, maybe you're doing great. You're like A+. Plus. Moving on, looking forward to next week, right? But an audit where you actually are, and I do this in my ministry and I have people ask me that are even outside of our church, like, how are you doing? What's going on? How's it going? How's it going at church? What can we, how can we be praying for you? I do the same thing. I'm praying for other churches. Do you know that this morning, Shane's church uh, at Real Life Cheney just kicked off. I think their first services uh, were this weekend, the church we're supporting. Anybody in Eastern Washington University around Cheney that wants to hear and know about Jesus, like there's a whole church that's just fired up and excited that just started this morning, right? So praying for the needs and knowing what the needs are, right? But to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, how can you improve your ministry to your family? What does that look like within my family? Maybe you've kind of gotten in the same routine over and over and over and over and over and over again, and you need to change it up. What about... Uh, how are you ministering in the church and to the church? So a lot of us come in here, we need to be ministered to, and that's cool. And like, we should be ministering to people. I know you guys have ministered to me. I've had people come up and, and they're praying for me and people that, like, I know there's a group of people that are ministering to me and I hope I, that we minister to you as well. And then what does it look like to get plugged in? Man, I'm, if you kind of have that little like inkling, like, eh, maybe I should, that was a loud yes from the Holy Spirit. Like, yep. And well, I used to do that. Good. Used to come on back now. Let's do it. We need your help. We want to be involved because it's the fruit. It's it's fruit of what comes out of you when you're when when you got the Holy Spirit inside of you. Uh, and how does it look like in your community? Pray and ask the Holy Spirit. How can you improve your ministry to your community at your job, around the people around you, with your neighbor, all of those things? What does that look like?
Why don't you guys check out this video so you can see how serving and being in ministry uh, has changed this gentleman's life. Uh, so my name is Todd Bowman, and uh, I am married to my wife, Kim, and we have four children together uh, in a blended family, and we live in Troy, Idaho. Uh, I play drums on the worship team, and I never actually thought I would be playing drums on the worship team. I don't know if you've seen the movie Yes Man, but once I actually bought into showing up every Sunday and, and kind of figuring out who this uh, God person was and what things looked like, I told my wife that basically if something came our way, I would agree to do it, um, which coincidentally was like that weekend was like a care group kickoff thing. And so I was like, oh. We were in uh, Marty's care group. We were, it was our first care group that we were in and I had seen him play one weekend. And so I finally had a chance to talked to him a little bit and mentioned to him that I used to be a drummer and that was kind of the end of that, I thought. And then apparently there was a meeting at the church at some point and Kelly uh, was desperate for trying to find musicians and probably drummers in particular. And so he gave her my name and uh, I got a text from her sometime later asking if I wanted to visit about it. And at the time I had, was at a point in my life where I just didn't ever think I was gonna play drums again. I agreed to come meet with her, which was, I thought, to talk to her about what it was, but it, it turned out to be basically an audition, uh, which was especially scary because I hadn't played probably in, I don't know, at, at least five or six years even. But I was one of those people that, uh, even when we first started going, uh, if there was a bunch of good football games on and things were happening, it was really easy for me to not go to church. I realized I'm somebody that needs structure in my life and making that commitment to serve on the team, suddenly um, I'm going to bed early the night before uh, so that I can be there the next day to um, arrive early and have some relational opportunities with the people on the team. And once I started with the worship team and it kind of snowballed into other volunteer opportunities, I suddenly found myself uh, kind of just through his design, doing things in a way that didn't even give me opportunities to, to walk the wrong path. I would say that if you are unsure about volunteering, uh, you'll be really surprised of what it actually can lead to to change your life. And I would without hesitation recommend that somebody uh, find something that they're passionate about, something that they can relate to, something that they can connect with, and and see how it feels. So this is part of our, part of our, our uh, vision and our mission. Our vision is to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. And our mission is to make biblical disciples through relational environments. Well, let's talk about how share plays into that. Do you have to share your story, share what God's done in your life to help reach the world for Jesus one person at a time? Sure. You have to be willing to connect to other people even maybe ones that don't, don't think the same way that you do, sure, be available. And then what about serving and ministering to them? That's how we're gonna accomplish what God has called our church to accomplish, to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. Share our lives with each other, connect with each other well, ask great questions and serve and minister to one another and those outside in our community. And we do that in a biblical way, we're making disciples. 
And so uh, that night, the Lord Jesus uh, was, was there and he, whoa, uh, on that night he was betrayed. I know, I know, touchy. Um, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. I want you to think about the scriptures that are gonna, God's going to put in your mind right now of where you observe Jesus being a minister and ministering to people. And tell me how that doesn't, how, how does that fit in your world, right? So he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Let's remember how Jesus Christ ministered. In the same way, he took the cup, saying this cup is the new covenant my blood, do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. Let's remember him. Father God, I just thank you for today. I thank you for this time. I thank you for this week and how you've reiterated who you are and what you are to me, that you are my Lord that you are my savior. You are the definition of what minister is and what minister does. So Father God, I just ask that you would just uh, open our hearts to how we can be equipped to, to minister well. If we're doing that well, Lord, confirm that in people's lives today. That they're well done, good and faithful servants. Those areas that you just have for us that you're like, here you go. I've got this set up for you. You need to go do it. Make it crystal clear with us, Lord. Don't let us talk ourselves, tell, talk ourselves out of it that we want to be involved. We want it to be a fruit of who we are because we can't help but share you with the world because you're inside of us, Lord. And you are a minister. So help us to do that well in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.